we have EBITDA of say $10 million, but are losing money after taxes to where they're now not only profitable, but could be cash flowing as the same number. Oh my Seven, eight million dollars. It, it, it's a huge swing. That it, it, it's that to me is a bigger win than anything that the Safer Banking would Act would do. Freeze up. From the Pod Connect Studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on the MJ Bulls Raising Cannabis Capital Podcast, we are joined by another former guest, Matt Hawkins, the co-founder and managing partner at Entourage Effect Capital. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Dan. Always a pleasure. Well, it's fun to have you on, and it's really fun to kick off a new year with somebody that has as much experience as you do. And I thought maybe we would take a trip down memory lane. We'll talk a little bit about this past year, and then more importantly, we'll talk about what we were what we can look forward to in 2024. I was thinking maybe on a scale of one to 10, so you've seen this so many years in the cannabis industry, but if you were to rate this on a scale of one to 10 with one being the worst year for growth in the industry and 10 being the best year in growth in the industry, rate 2021 or 23, I should say. It was pretty bad. Next to 22, it was the worst. 22 and 23 were, for us, I think, just the biggest struggles. Some companies, the tier one guys, can survive and, and have survived and in some cases thrived. But I think for your middle of the road and even folks like us that are managing capital, it's it, it was tricky, both from a portfolio management standpoint and from a fundraising standpoint. Mm-hmm. In, in that there was a limited amount of investment capital or is it more the industry is just going through this flush out phase it's absolutely both it's really hard to manage legacy assets when there's no fresh capital coming in behind it i mean look the the bread and butter of private equity and venture capital is to exit when new money comes in and there just there hasn't been any short of our own and so Mm -hmm. we've had to use our lucky we've been in private equity long enough to know that you need to have reserves set aside for follow-on investment which we've done but you know we don't have an endless supply of capital yeah. in any of our funds and so that's the hard part and then in public companies the trick is same thing is that you need fresh buyers to come in and, and bolster the stock and we, we haven't had that either so it's just, it's a perfect storm of not enough capital support of arguably a $30 billion industry. Sure. And it's a reflection of the overall economy, I, I suspect. I would argue that it's much worse. I think that it's the, the macro economy, even though there's a lot of money on the sidelines, there's still capital available for financing events, even albeit expensive because rates are higher. This is where not being able to go to the bank and get a line of credit is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, And having to spend now even higher rates because the cost of capital has gone up so much, your nine, 10% interest rates are now 13 to 15%. And it's, that becomes untenable. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about brighter things to come. We're, we're starting off a new year. Yep. And there's a lot of optimism about some of the potential changes in legislation coming that could happen within this year. And so if I don't like to put anybody on the spot, but I'm going to, what are we thinking? I'm going to do it anyway. What do you think about 2020? I'm some opportunities? excited about it for a couple of reasons. One, I, I do think rescheduling is going to occur at some point. I mean, I think it's just the tea leaves are that people are reading just seem to be too too transparent that something's on the horizon. I don't know about safer, quite frankly. I mean, the reality is that if rescheduling occurs and 280E goes away, that's an unbelievably huge win. Yeah. And we'll be riding the windfall of that for better part of the next two years. So I'm excited about that. I, I'll be surprised if safer happens, but you know it'll be a pleasant surprise. But I'm excited because we're going to be launching our fourth fund, and we have a large institutional capital partner that's committed a big chunk of money to seed our next fund, and we should be launching it in the first quarter. So that's going to give us the ability to do what I take very seriously, which is support the industry with capital. And we've been working on it for the better part of 2023 and got kind of the okay to start talking about it a bit. And we're just, we're tickled to death. But again, we got to, I got to get it totally closed in the first quarter, but I think it's good. It's all indications are that it's going to happen. Well, there's a lot of exciting things to unpack there, but I think what really caught my attention is an institutional investor because That's that's a rare bird in this industry. It is. And once we announce it, you'll see some of the, the reasons why they're coming in. But can't say a whole lot more about it other than it's a very large employee pension fund that is ready to deploy several hundred million dollars initially into the space and, and hopefully billions of dollars in, in the years to come. Well, there's nobody better to manage that for the first big that I know of institutional investor. It's great that they're in your camp because I know you're going to steer them in the right direction. Let's talk about rescheduling. Just let me just follow up a, a follow up sure. on that one for the listeners that aren't familiar. Like, what would be some of the immediate impacts of rescheduling? Go all the way down micro to a, to the individual dispensary comp, dispensary owner, sure. and even the MSOs. How does that affect their bottom line? So anyone that touches the plant is subject to. Section 280E of the Federal Tax Code, which was set up in the Drogon Wars days in the 60s, if not earlier than that, maybe way earlier than that. But the nuts and bolts of that section is to prevent drug businesses that are effectively selling and, and producing illicit drugs is to not allow them to expense basically anything mm-hmm. on their tax returns. And so now... So ironic because you wouldn't think a drug dealer would be filing tax returns, which makes this whole thing sideways to begin with. It's been so penal on the industry that it adds like at least another sometimes 30, 40 percent of a tax rate on top of what you're the burden you're already carrying at the local state and even federal level on top of that. So if, if, if it gets rescheduled to schedule three, it eliminates that entirely. Yeah. So th- what happens is you've got companies that could be have EBITDA of say $10 million, but are losing money after taxes to where they're now not only profitable, but could be cash flowing as the same number. 
Oh my god! Seven eight million dollars. It, it, it's a huge swing. That it, it's that to me is a bigger win than anything that the Safer Banking would Act would do. Yeah. Freeze up cash immediately, just by and by not even counting the operational efficiencies that it will allow you to unplug because you'll have the cash to be able to do things you haven't been able to do otherwise. They're doing it the right way and doing it by the rules or hoarding so much cash to, to pay their taxes that can't do anything else. It's maddening, but it's if, maddening, but it also- mind-boggling, frustrating. And the fact that we've been going at this since, I mean, California was what, 16, 2016. And so the fact that we've been going at it for damn near eight years, just in that state alone, with, not to mention 2012 with Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. I mean, it just, it's ludicrous. The fact that you had heroin and cocaine that are far more dangerous than cannabis. The fact that they're even on the same level is yeah. just ridiculous. That kind of data is very exciting, especially for anybody that's interested in investing, which most of the listeners are. And I don't want to take too much time on this, but for cannabis stocks, you just mentioned the public companies that are, uh, this would be one of those places where you would probably want to look at companies that have businesses that would benefit from the elimination of 280. Yeah, it's not just, I mean, this is private companies too. I mean, private companies that are, are, are subject to 280 just as much as the publicos are. So it, it's both. But yes, to, to your question for just average investor who, <clears throat> who may want to uh, get into the game without giving investment advice, publicos are, would be a great way to do it because when it's rescheduled, these businesses are, are, are improved dramatically overnight. Yeah. And by the way, they also lose all the tax burden that they've been accruing over the years as well. That goes away too. Oh, wow. Yeah. You mentioned the private companies, and I know people have just gotten their lunch served to them, trying to figure out where the best private companies to invest in, especially ones that don't work with professionals like you. With this new Fund 4 that's starting, will there be opportunities for people to invest in Fund 4? Yeah, we're going to be able to use this capital that's coming in as the as effectively our first closing, and then we'll be able to raise money around it after that. So obviously it has to be for qualified purchasers and folks that are have the means and the, can prove the fact that they are willing and able high net worth individuals to do so. Yeah. And accredited investors that- Accredited is like- one level and then obviously qualified purchasers. And so the two-tiered fund set up on, on which bucket they would go into. But what a good time to participate when you can join an in- institutional investor. And- Luckily, our third fund, we were investing at the bottom of the market as well. Well, this is obviously at the bottom of the market too. And if rescheduling happens, then- we have a window here to exploit this and we think the timing is impeccable. So yeah, because you're, because you're, because all of your gunpowder will be ready to go where other people are going to have to go and find it. So yeah, just because it gets rescheduled, doesn't make it federally legal. So you're still going to have a lot of capital. that's still on the sidelines, even though it's schedule three, it's still not considered a federally legal business. And as a result, most of the institutional capital that's on the sidelines because of that reason isn't going to change their mind unless they take a step out and decide like our partner will be doing that the time is right. And I suspect there will be some of that. 
Yeah, I agree. My point was that you're going to have a head start because everyone else is going to have to, when they see this, when they see this happening. Well, I'm going to have links to Entourage Effect Capital in the show notes. So if there is anyone out there that's interested in, you know, jumping in on Fund 4, I'm sure somebody from Matt's team would love to talk to you about it. And and I think people that are interested in maybe looking at for some investments should probably start getting themselves ready because there might be some opportunity for a change because there hasn't been a lot of opportunity. So you might be getting flooded with some decks, which would, which is good. Matt, it's always fun having you on the show. I'm going to have you back on again next year to kick off next year so that we can see how you did. Awesome. Happy to do it. All right. Well, have a great 2024 if I don't talk to you before. All right. Happy holidays and, and enjoy the new year. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.